0: What's going on, guys, and welcome to Convos with God, where I talk with spiritual leaders about how to connect with God on the most intimate level to break strongholds over your life and live out your best life. Faith is something we can't see, we can't hear, and we can't feel. But without it, it seems as if though we have nothing. I'm on a journey to have conversations with the most spiritually sound people in the world to understand how to become your highest self. On this episode, I talk with Natalie Ferguson, a pastor and youth group leader at Christ Fellowship. She leads over 50 young adults in service every Thursday night at the Palm Beach Gardens location. I've had the opportunity to be a part of her services, and I couldn't say more about her authenticity, vulnerability, and the way she connects and shepherds these young adults. In this episode, we get to know Natalie on a deeper level and discuss what it really looks like to have freedom in your life. It was an honor to be able to sit down with her and learn more about her passion and grace and this on fire for God attitude she carries with her. So without further ado, Mrs. Natalie Ferguson. Freedom isn't always what it looks like. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So now we know a little bit about what Natalie does, but I'm curious to know who Natalie is. (laughs) So without thinking too much into it, I want you to tell us who is Natalie Ferguson?
1: That's a good question. If there are things I want someone to know about me, I would say I am from Tennessee originally and mm. proud of it. And because of that, I love the outdoors. So the Florida heat gets to me sometimes so there are mm-hmm. no mountains and you can't be outside all the time. But I think that's an important part of me is I love nature and like even just experiencing God through nature. Um, I am married. I have a dog. Her name's Holly and she's my best friend. That's also an important thing to know about me, but yeah.
0: Awesome. So I hear you say this many times and I love it. That's why I quoted you first, but you say like, I'm, I'm on fire for God. I have this like on fire for God attitude. Um, did you always have an on fire for God attitude? or?
1: That's a really good question. I would say no, definitely not always. I think kind of this idea of like on fire for God or like in love with God and that didn't come for me until I realized, like, the opposite—that he was on fire for me,
0: mm. that he
1: actually cared about me. Um, so I grew up a lot of my life. I went to church when I was young, growing up, and I would hear about God, and I would hear about like these incredible acts. Like, there would be like God's people would be in trouble, and God would like part seas for them, or like show up and defeat right, armies right. for them, and all these incredible things. But I felt like in my own life, I didn't see that. Like I would just see like the devastation in my family, the abuse that happened to me. Like I would just see the moment and say like, how can I hear about a God who does all of this, but my life looked like this. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think for me, like growing to love the Lord, first I had to just really receive, he loves me and he cares about me and just seeing him in like moments of my life where I didn't see any light of just it took time. Definitely, has been a process. Um, but there, I've always heard people say, "When I'm old, I want to be able to say, like, this is the most in love with Jesus I've ever been. Mm. Like, I want to be like 86 years old and be like, I love Jesus more today than I ever have. Um, I think that just keeps it alive. Like, keeps a love and a passion for Him
0: alive. And it's a like consistent growth, consistent yeah. learning, and having Jesus into your life daily. Sure. Right? Like daily surrender is definitely a big part of it yeah as you were speaking you said you know i i see i saw like i heard a lot about people um god is so great in their life and god is a loving god but i didn't feel it in my life yeah Um, i feel like a lot of people feel like that you know so what is what is some words of wisdom or something you would you would share with them from maybe you know your younger self uh, what advice would you give them
1: for sure and i think it's still a struggle sometimes to be in seasons and just know like, God, I know you see me and I know you're powerful and you love me, but like, it's just not looking, it's not, the cards aren't playing out right now and it's hard. Like, I, and I think we don't talk about that enough of the tension of uh, we do have all of these amazing promises from God, but we also live in this world that's so broken and trying to reconcile the two can be really hard. Um, but I, it, for me, it's taken trusting God's promises in a way they're of just knowing they're probably not going to look like what I want them to look like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're probably not going to come in the time that I want them to come. But of just knowing that even in like that awkward in-between, that God is still with me. That um, I had someone tell me once that there's this verse in Revelation and it talks about how God holds all of our tears in golden bowls like they're so precious to him mm-hmm. he like collects every one of them I had a teacher in school tell me that once I remember that's always stuck with me of like in seasons where I feel like I'm in the in-between this makes no sense of just that comfort of like God I know you're crying with me and like my tears are precious to you and this this isn't the end of the story the story is going to continue from here Hebrews is probably my favorite book of the Bible okay. and there's this verse that talks about um, like the promised rest of God and it talks about you know the story of the old testament and the israelites like believing in this promised land and wanting this rest and the author of hebrews is talking about how the rest is still to come like the rest is the ultimate rest we're going to have in heaven and that you know the hope of christmas even we in this season are talking about baby jesus and him coming but even the hope of that is like he's coming again to right mm. all the wrongs to give us eternal rest, and I think just holding on to that promise of, even mm-hmm. if life doesn't look like what I want it to right now, I'm gonna believe that there's still a promise yet to be fulfilled.
0: That's good, that's good. What were you doing before your pastoral work?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I did not always wanna be a pastor, nor I think I ever would, really. <laughs> um, but, so before this, I was actually in school, at southeastern university and i was studying in the business field Um, so i graduated with a business degree Hmm. Um, was not planning to be a part of ministry i knew i loved god and of course wanted to serve at church but um, didn't really think there was a place for me but i remember the more i went through my classes at university um, i would take some bible classes on the side and the more i would just kept discovering this passion that and these giftings that God had given me. And I had always tried to find another place for them. I was just like, man, mm, I know good. I love teaching. And I, I love preaching even. I love leading small groups. I love meeting with people. I love counseling people. But you know, I, I can't fit in the church box. So I must need to find another box to fit mm. this in. Um, and it wasn't until my senior year I remember I had a conversation with a past um, one of my teachers again, another professor. I remember just sitting with him after class and just kind of just wrestling with this. And I looked at him like, I think I wanna be a pastor. And I remember him looking back at me and just saying, Natalie, the church needs you. I remember for me that was the moment, that was like the first moment I was like, okay, I don't know what this means. I have no idea what this is gonna look like. Um, but I think so many people, like I think Austin, you're a pastor, like how you love and care for and shepherd and guide people, like I think, we all have some sort of pastoral call on us. And it just, it can feel so uncomfortable and so unworthy to like step into something like that. Mm-hmm. But so I'm still even finding my footing yeah, on that's that journey. Good. That's but, good. It was
0: like confirmation that, yeah. that led you to that. Okay. Stepping into it. With confidence.
1: Yeah. It was really like the church needs us. Like yeah. the world's so broken. It needs all of us to step up and do our part, whatever it looks like. Mm-hmm.
0: That's good. It's really good. So in Christ Fellowship, we've been talking a lot about freedom, you know, and what that looks like in our lives. And that's such a desired destination or like state of mind for all of us, right? Yeah. To live in freedom. Um, but sometimes it can be confusing. Like, what does that look like? Or, you know, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. What does freedom look like in, in somebody's life?
1: Yeah, I think it's kind of like what we were talking about before the journey and of just reconciling, like, this is what freedom looks like. But this is what my life looks like right mm-hmm. now. Um, and realizing that it's this continual journey with God and with the Holy Spirit of healing in our lives. Um, one thing Pastor Julie says here at Christ Fellowship all the time, she talks about our God story and how so often in our life we've taken the pin and we've written our own story. Or someone else has taken the pin and written our story for us. And the whole idea of freedom is like, we're giving the pin back to God. And we're not only letting him write our future, but we're letting him go back and rewrite old chapters. That's and I good. think so often for me, it's easy to imagine God writing my future, mm-hmm. but it's been really hard to think he can actually go back mm-hmm. and rewrite mm-hmm. the past. And for me, I think that's been my biggest struggle my freedom journey is not trusting him with the future, but trusting him with the past and letting him rewrite and heal and work through some of those stories that other people have written that I've mm-hmm. written.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a huge part of it, of, you know, forgiveness would be the topic, you know, yeah. our, our attachment that we hold to the past. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's not always forgiving others, but it's forgiving ourselves, you know. Right. Um, I had a conversation recently and it really stuck to me. Somebody said, our job is to forgive others. It's God's job to forgive us. Hmm. Like I really I, I you know, it's so hard to forgive ourselves for the for what we've put ourselves through or you know Yes. You hit the nail on the head, right? You know, our attachment to the past and then the shame and the, the guilt that we carry with us that doesn't right. need to be carried. So what are some things that you do when you're when you're when you can feel yourself attaching yourself to the past or when you can feel yourself carrying things that you don't need to carry? Are there things that you do day-to-day, practical, like, practical-wise to, to keep your eyes on the future, keep your eyes on the Lord.
1: Yeah, and I think everyone's struggle and everyone's walk is different. I know for me, um, it's like a constant everyday decision that every day I have the choice to decide, am I gonna be healed or am I not? Mm-hmm. And some days it's so easy. Like some days, like I don't even think about it. Like I roll out of bed, I'm healed, I'm living a, a healed full life. Other days, I'm like dragging myself out of bed, like looking myself in the mirror and making that decision of like, I'm gonna be healed today. I don't know if that's everyone's story, but for me, that's the tension that I live in. It's like, I constantly have to be deciding because at any point, I can slip back into old ways and old thought processes and old patterns. Um, So it helps me to make that decision and keep it at the front of my mind also just know what fills up my soul like I mentioned earlier like I love being outside I love nature so I know if I'm having one of those days and like thoughts are in my head I just feel just really tight with life that I just need to go outside I just need to take a walk like I need to pray for a second and breathe some fresh air Um, so I think knowing how God speaks to you and knowing like those places for you to go to like some people it's music or art different things playing basketball Um, so I think finding that thing really helps.
0: Yeah, it's really good. So what are some things we can do? We kind of touched on this, but what are some things we can do to break the chains, whatever they are, and like move in that direction of freedom?
1: Right. One of my favorite verses is in James 5. And it says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. And I remember reading that for the first time and just thinking, I have always only confessed my sins to God. You know, I prayed for forgiveness, moved on. But I was realizing like forgiveness comes from confessing to God, but healing Mm -hmm. very rarely ever comes alone. But healing most often comes when we obey scripture and we confess our sins to one another so that healing may come, so that we can have accountability, so we can have prayer, so we can have encouragement. And I know that's been true on my journey is not trying to heal by myself or fight for my own freedom or tackle my own sin, but pulling people along with that, pulling peers and friends, having mentors and older wisdom, even seeking like professional help. I'm a huge fan of everyone needs a therapist. Um, Everyone needs help on their journey. Um, One thing they say a lot around the Celebrate Recovery community is there are two types of people. There are people who are in recovery and there are people who just haven't realized they need to be in recovery
0: mm-hmm.
1: yet mm-hmm. um so i think we're all you know one of those two we all need to go through a freedom recovery journey we yeah, all have absolutely. things in our life
0: And it comes the first step is definitely the willingness to be open and the yeah. willingness to share and, and open yourself up to all the pain or all the brokenness that's inside of you right and then the healing can start to happen
1: it's very true
0: so I was recently talking to someone that I deeply care about and we were talking about going to church together that weekend and he said something and I was like taken back a little bit. Um, he said, I always feel weird when I go to church. And I was like, I asked why, right? And he said, because I'm living in sin. Hmm. And you know, I appreciate his like vulnerability yeah. and I imagine that many people feel this way. You know, he, he like he has attached his shame and guilt to like his actions and I can imagine just like a level of him feeling that he's not worthy of mm-hmm. God's love or feeling like maybe he's an imposter, you know? Um, so what would you say to him?
1: Yeah. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people do feel that way. Um, I would just be honest. I think what you were saying before about like we have to be vulnerable with other people, but I'm just one being honest of like all of us are living in sin. Right every single one of us you know and some sins look different than others but it's all sin um one of my favorite names that jesus has in the scriptures is called friend of sinners Mm. we we call Mm -hmm. him the friend of sinners and i i love reminding people of that or a lot of times telling people that for the first time that they haven't heard that name for him but that's what we call him like he's the one who's always like at the parties Hanging out with the people, everyone thinks like, you should not be hanging out with them. You know, he's always seeking out the person who's isolated or by themselves or living in sin. That's who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. And if we're his church, that's who we should be. I hate that that's how your friend feels, but I think you're the perfect person to to help him feel that love. and, And even feel, I think sometimes people can feel like Christians love conditionally. Like they love with a motive.
0: Like a judging like, a judging God, right?
1: Yeah. Or even just like, oh, I'm, I'm your friend and loving you because I want you to go to church. But I think it means so much to people to just love and be there for them. And it's okay if you never come to church with me or you never want me to pray for you. Like I'm still going to be here for you. I think that speaks volumes to love without any sort of condition on it.
0: So that kind of drives into the next question. This question is like, personally for me, I would want to say, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. And it's the difference between, I call it a mature Christian and a believer that's still like developing and learning their identity and hmm. you know, Christ. What are some characteristics of a mature Christian and then one that is still developing their identity in Christ and yeah. how can we, for those that do believe, but are still developing their identity, how can we move into that mature, christian life you know
1: right i think in my own life i've gotten it confused a lot the process and the end result Mm -hmm. um and i think a lot of christians can get confused in the walk of maturity of getting the process and the results confused Um, i think sometimes we're like you know how much of your bible do you read a day like how how long are you praying are you serving like we're asking all of these process questions And we're measuring maturity by, like, oh, well, they read their Bible for 15 minutes, but they read theirs for an hour. So, you know, and I don't think that shows maturity. I think the fruit of the spirit in your Mm -hmm. life shows maturity. Mm -hmm. So, like, are you actually a loving person? Are you patient? Are you joyful? Are you kind? Do you have self-control? Like, I think these are the end results this fruit that shows maturity and so often i know even in my own walk i can get so obsessed with the process of like and the process is great because it gets us there you know we read our bible it teaches us to be more loving kind people um but i think that's a really important distinction to have is not get caught up in being these like religious acts but actually loving and caring for people and having peace
0: yeah pastor chris spoke I think two weeks ago, and one thing that really stuck out to me was his, he said, uh, like, I rested in the promises of God, you know, even when I don't mm. feel peace in my life, I rest in, in the peace, you know, I don't trust, he said, uh, like an ice cold mind and a red hot heart, right? Yeah. And he's like, I, tr- I trust that there's peace in my life, even though I don't feel it, you know? That's awesome. God has promised that to me. Yeah. So that's something that I think, you know, is, is just knowing that and resting in the, the peace, um, There's something really powerful for sure. Yeah. Because our mind can definitely trick us at times.
1: Definitely. I know a big part of my husband's journey has been wrestling with feelings
0: mm-hmm.
1: of just like not feeling God is real
0: mm-hmm.
1: or not, you know, not feeling like God is going to keep his promise. Or, and that is a really, real, really hard struggle to wrestle with.
0: Definitely. So, what are some of your favorite uh, pastors that you listen to? Or leaders that you listen yeah. to and, and you let fill your soul.
1: Absolutely. I think my favorite leaders are the ones that are like personable, mm-hmm. like real people I'm close with mm-hmm. um, because they have more edge to speak into my life because they know what's going on a lot of times and can call out sin and can keep me accountable. So I think those are probably my favorite are the people close to me. But uh, one of my favorite books is by John Otberg. Um, it's an older book, but it's called The Life You've Always Wanted. And it's this incredible book that talks about different spiritual disciplines um, and how to grow in them. And it's one of my favorite reads. Whenever I'm feeling just like, I need a reset in my life, mm, I always turn to one. that book. Yeah, always turn that one. But I l- really love learning. I love all voices and opinions. Mm. Um, just because I think we can, even if we don't always agree, we can learn things from people's perspectives. Um, But I'd say some of my favorite people to learn from are people who have gone through suffering. Mm. I feel like their perspective on life and on God is so much different. Um, Like I just started a devotional today by Louis Giglio and he was talking about um, he and his wife don't have any kids. And he was talking about like that suffering and that waiting of like believing, you know, kind of what we've been talking about this whole time. That tension of believing God can do miracles, but also we don't have any children. Um, so I love like learning from that tension and people who have overcome like suffering and struggle
0: yeah there's a lot of people that talk about the blessings of God when you believe in God you will receive the life you've always wanted or all of the blessings that you could ever imagine right and it's rare to find that we actually like open up and talk about like the sufferings of a Christian life and like what obedience to Christ actually looks like yeah you know and that's so important and that's That's the walk, right? Yes. That's the walk, for sure.
1: Yeah. I think so often in Americanized Christianity, we forget like our call is to lay down our life and die, Mm. to carry our cross daily. Like that's our call. And so often we can over blessify it, Mm. you know, just like follow God and He's going to provide and give you everything you need. And He is. But blessing you and giving you everything you need on his terms looks way different than my terms good. kind of a thing yeah.
0: what are some common themes of like I will generalize and say millennials right Yeah. like this generation what are some common themes that you see that have strongholds on us or you know yeah. what, I think we all have obviously we're all unique but we have somewhat of the same perspective on life um, so what are some like common themes that you see millennials living in and how can we improve ourselves or, you know, start living better?
1: Yeah, definitely. Myself included in this conversation. <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing that comes to my mind first is the topic around mental health. Mm-hmm. But just so many people living with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I think not even really realizing it. I'm not realizing, like, the rushed pace of life, like, the anxious pace, the always needing more, wanting more. Um And I think it is a product of our culture, that culture is kind of bred life this way. But I think it leads to so much busyness and hurry and unnecessary stress in our lives. I know that's been a huge journey in my life, um, but also a lot of people I talk to about young adults um, in the ministry that are also really working through and wrestling with. I I think the other isn't just a millennial or generation Mm Z, but... Um, is relationships mm-hmm. of just relationships in general mm-hmm. friendships, co-workers bosses, <laughs> parents uncles, like boyfriends girlfriends, spouses, I think just in general relationships can be so sticky we know that, we all have them um, and just learning healthy skills to, to navigate relationships God's way and navigate conflict resolution and like we were talking about earlier and letting God rewrite chapters of our story of letting God restore relationships and Mm -hmm. rewrite those I know it's been a struggle in my life too
0: yeah I can relate to both of those things I think you hit the nail on the head for sure Um, yeah relationships you know this has been definitely a recent journey for me on the topic of relationships as far as you know I've always been almost a man of solitude you know an isolation we can Mm. call it You know, but I've learned that there's so much power in fellowship. Yeah. I would just encourage anybody that is on the fence about opening up or living in sin, yeah, or you know, have these strongholds over them that it's just the willingness and the openness and and, and healing will come for sure.
1: Yeah. And I think realizing that God uses community to heal us, uh, I think so much of even like the idea that god is trinity which is like this topic that hurts our brains whenever we think about it but really is god is community god is three existing Mm -hmm. together in one i think everything about the nature of god is community um but at the same time we have to remember like the communities we have aren't perfect Mm -hmm. and i know that's been a hurtful part of my journey is like opening up to a community, wanting it to be a safe place and a healing place, and it hasn't been perfect, Mm -hmm. and I've gotten hurt. And then the willingness to trust the next community is really hard, and I think we just need to have that boldness and realize what you're saying. Like, we need community. Mm -hmm. We know it's not going to be perfect, but we need each other. We Mm -hmm. need each other's imperfections, and we're going to make each other better.
0: It was such an honor to be able to sit down with Natalie and hear her perspective about what following God really looks like. It was such an enlightening conversation and I hope you were able to take something from it. I know I did. As this is the first episode, I'm going to need some help spreading the message and getting cool people on the show. If you could kindly leave a review or share this, it would go such a long way. Next week's episode is with pastor, entrepreneur, and music producer Gabe Galvez. Gabe is currently involved in planting two churches here in South Florida and he gives us an inside look on what it really looks like to be a true man of God in today's society. You're not going to want to miss this one. Go ahead and subscribe, and I'll send it over to you next week. That's it for now. Thanks for listening to Convos with God. Remember to stay calm, have faith, study God's word, and the rest will fall into place.